Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Regardless of when you've decided to hit play, we thank you for doing so. Whether you're a Marlins fan, a baseball fan, or just someone who likes to talk about prospects as much as we do, you have absolutely arrived at the right spot. My name is Danny Martinez, and as always, I am joined by the amazing Ian Smith and the fantastic Ethan Podowski, and this is Earning Their Stripes. Welcome back for episode number two, and man, do we have a good one for you today. A weekly recap of the Marlins farm system, including some news you may have not gotten to yet. Some Baseball America trivia. We'll test out our own knowledge on the prospects as well as yours. And the introduction of two new segments. We'll start off with a get to know us segment because here we believe that this relationship is going to work. You have to know a little bit about, about us. And second, Ian Smith's weekly segment on a top pitching and position prospect. For that week within the Marlins farm system, we'll see if Ethan and I agree with his choices. So without further ado, let's jump right into our first spot here with getting to know us. I think we'll start off with Ian. Uh, brother, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your role within fish stripes and in baseball, and maybe a little bit about your life outside the game as well. Oh, guys. Well, nice to be here again. I mean, I'm stoked to be back with you guys again this afternoon. <clears throat> well, as you, hear, as you know, I'm Ian Smith. I'm the lead reporter at Fish Stripes, and I'm just kind of a prospect nerd. This is what I like to do any free time I have. Uh, in my non-free time, I'm a full-time pit master here in Brevard County at a local barbecue spot. So if you're ever in the area and looking for the best brisket in Florida, you know where to come. I like the plug. <laughs> you know, got to. It's Crowderman's Barbecue in Cocoa Village. Open a second location right now in downtown Melbourne. But besides all that, talk about baseball. Excuse me, off to off topic real quick. Victor Victor Mesa just got his first hit in professional baseball. There we go. Oh, nice. There so we go. That's, that's nice to see. And within further ado, the, I'm going to pass this over to Danny. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, my life's pretty simple. It's baseball and it's clinical psychology. So that's, that's, I'm a very academic guy, I guess you could say, outside of the game. And then in the game, it's just something I've always been around of, whether it's t-ball, whether it's coaching, whether it's like convincing my wife to go out on a Saturday and play and catch. Um, baseball is, is, is a love for me. Uh, I'm, the, I'm a lead writer for Fish Stripes as well. Uh, have loved what the company's started to do and the fact that the Marlins Communications is just top-notch with it. But honestly, I'm just excited to be another prospect nerd like you guys and really get to dive into this podcast. Yeah, I uh, never really was that involved with the whole prospect thing uh, until this rebuild really started uh, when Jeter came in. And a lot of the guys that I interacted with on Twitter knew a bunch about the prospects. And I just started getting into it uh, like last summer, the summer before, uh, just reading about it, learning about the guys in the Marlins system, the important guys. And then obviously with all the trades that we made, uh, learning about them and, and, and seeing where the future was headed. And uh, that led me to fish stripes. Uh, Eli brought me on and, you know, I have my uh, things we love to see, which we'll be starting back up soon. Uh, I think I'm going to give us a full week uh, of, of a season before, but I mean, like you said, Ian, a thing we love to see right now, uh, Devers and Mesa both got hits to start the game at Jupiter tonight. So, oh man, uh, you know, just I, I love, I've been a baseball nerd my entire life. I mean, I grew up in a baseball family uh, surrounded by not just the Marlins, but the Cubs and the Giants. For those of you close to me know, uh, I have a love for all three of those teams, but 
baseball's my life. UF is my life. I'm a student here. Uh, I, I ride with the Gators wherever I go. I'm a huge Gator uh, football fan and all things considered. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just excited to be here talking about the prospects, giving them the, the attention that they deserve because sometimes they uh, they don't. And I think it's good for people to know what the Marlins are building, and I think we'll be here to give them more of an understanding of just how good uh, of a foundation they're building right now. Absolutely. And I think that's the key is that if there's ever going to be a time as a Marlins fan or just as a baseball fan that you're going to start being interested in prospects. I mean, it's right now, you know, we made the joke that if the pro level is not where it needs to be, or the major league level is not where it needs to be, at least every day you can see a future possible star in the Marlins system, which I can't even pretend to remember the last time that that was the case, probably when Yelich and Jose, you know, were prospects. And before I like give it to Ian really quickly, let me just clarify. So we have a Gator on the podcast, mm-hmm. and we have a Hurricane in me on the podcast. What 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 does uh, what does Ian over here? What do you what do you call yourself? Oh, I'm definitely claiming the Gators. Full oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is good to just be... spend my full four years in Gainesville like I wanted to, but I'm claiming the Gators. I had since I was six years old. So uh, absolutely, I'm a Gator. So it's up, it's up to me. August 24th is going to be a lot of fun for us, Ian. Absolutely. Not a lot of fun for uh, you. The 23rd is my birthday, so I'll definitely be in Orlando that day. Yeah. I oh, you wish. Too, yeah, it's gonna that that podcast after that game is gonna be a lot more fun for us than it is for Dan. Oh, absolutely. Remember the words. It's gonna be a good one. I'm ready. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. All right. So then, Ian, you you hit lead off for us, bro. What did you see this last week that got you excited <sighs> in the farm system? I mean, the guy I talked about last week, even, and we're gonna start with this week, Zach Allen. Yeah. Man. I mean. I don't know what else to say. Seven endings, 11 Ks, no hits, no walks against five guys that you would likely see in the Astros lineup before 2019 is over. He was dominant. He showed everything you'd like to see out of a starting guy. And what we saw in the end of spring training when he threw five innings with seven Ks against pretty much the opening day lineup for the Cardinals, this was a great con- or a great follow-up to that and a great start to his 2019. And I couldn't be more excited to see what he's going to do with this season and how early we're going to see him in this rotation in Miami. Yeah, I think. No, no, go ahead. Actually, I mean, I was just going to say you and you and I were talking about that before, Ethan, right? Like he's going to be the first guy that gets called up unless they pull something funky with Chen. Well, I I hope so. But the thing that gives me hope for that is that uh, they started the year with the young guys. You know, they didn't turn to Chen. They got rid of Straley. Uh, so the fact that they're all in on the young guys suggests to me that if something happens to Urania or if one of the other guys gets hurt and, you know, maybe they want to go in a different direction from Urania, if the way he starts can he started so far continues, uh, I think their willingness to go with the young guys over the age and the experience uh, and just kind of ride with the Kings this year um, – suggests to me that gallon would be the first guy to replace anything that goes wrong uh with the rotation which is you know it's bound to happen over the course of 162 games uh i hope that's the case it might not be at this point in the year because it's still so early you know if something were to go wrong in the next month or two uh but i mean we saw pablo lopez come up come up in july in an emergency start uh last year and he was up there for the rest of the year because he was so solid. So I think something like that could happen with Gallon, but 
Uh, I definitely think he's here before a Nidert or, uh, you know, one of the other guys in, in, in New Orleans right now. I think he's definitely next. Right. And I mean, for those that might say, you know, guys, relax. It was just one start. You know, mm-hmm. let's not get hell bent over this. I mean, he had a good spring, too. Yeah. He had yeah. nine innings. What was it like? 12, 13 strikeouts to, to one, one, walk. one walk. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's someone that you could see. And his last start was against basically the opening day. Was it the Cardinals? Basically against the opening day Cardinals lineup. So that's someone that I think you have a lot of confidence in. Yeah. He gave up, one, up being at Marlins Park, being able to there. handle himself. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. I mean, like talking about Pablo Lopez last year, he came up strictly from from Double A. He had no Triple A experience before that, and has yet to have seen Triple A yet. So, yeah, I mean, Zach Gallen is, I mean, has the talent and the ability to do what Pablo did last year, and with a little bit more experience. And and then the other thing, like you were saying, Danny, like yeah, it's just one start, but uh, Gallen had 136 strikeouts last year, and he had 11 uh, in in his first game. So he had like you know almost 10% of his strikeout numbers from last year in his first start. And like you said, he had 13 uh, strikeouts in nine innings, which for the spring sounds about like what, like two or three starts. Uh, So yeah, that's, those are really good strikeout numbers for him. And if we continue to see the strikeouts go up and up from him and he was touching like higher speeds than we've seen from him uh, originally. I can't remember. Was he touching 95 or was, I know Rogers was definitely touching 95, but I can't remember if he was also. But, you know, the velocity seems to be up and the strikeout numbers hopefully stay up as well. So uh, if that continues and it's not just a one start thing, you know, um, and, and and I think we'll be we'll definitely see him at some point this year. I mean, there, there's no doubt whether it's in September or whatever, like he'll be in the majors at some point in the year. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think and I think just to like validate what you said, I think it was him who had the uptick as well in velocity. Mm-hmm. I think he was hitting 94, 95, which we necessarily hadn't seen um, yeah. before. And then I'll just say one more thing on Gallon, at least on my end. You know, people look at him, um, and he's just not that exciting pitching prospect. Yeah. So people overlook him. And then they see, the, you know, the first thing is, oh, well, we traded Ozuna basically for Sandy, and all the secondaries were so-and-so, and, and they gave up that. on Sierra, right? And And I get that. But yeah. there are some sites that actually do love Gallon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2080 Baseball, which is fantastic, right? Like, you know, I will always endorse Baseball America and 2080 Baseball. Those are my yeah. go-tos. Zach Gallon is seventh. You know, I mean, it's it's not seventh overall. That's not um, necessarily that everyone's overlooking him. There are mm-hmm. scouts and there are people that see what he is now showing in this spring and um, in his first start. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was exciting. Uh, another thing that's really exciting on the offensive side of the ball, and this was the one I was going to bring up, was Gerard Encarnacion uh, in Clinton. I, like, briefly mentioned him uh, on, on the last podcast because he has some good numbers uh, from past years in the Marlins system, but he is off to a blazing start. Uh, I mean, obviously the in, the average is in, inflated because it's been four games, but he's hitting 571. His on-base percentage is 667, and he's slugging 643. Uh, so he's been crushing the ball to start the year. He's got eight hits. Uh, uh, he's driven in three. He's taken three walks. I mean, he's, he's looking really good to start the year, and that's just one of those guys that kind of flies under the radar. Uh uh, you know, within the system. And, and if he can put some nice numbers together, he can shoot up through the system this year. I think he's a really nice prospect and he's got, he's got some good power. It, 
it really hasn't shown as much as you would hope, uh, you know, in terms of like extra base hits so far this year. Um, but that'll that'll happen, you know, as the season goes on and things settle in. His his power numbers will increase a little bit. But uh, I, I like what I saw from him this week. Absolutely. I mean, Encarnacion came into this year with some question marks on what he could do in Clinton after his kind of abysmal start last year when he got moved up to Greensboro. And he's done nothing but change change the mind of a lot of people. <clears throat> the body type he has, 6'4", 220 pounds, calls for all the power that you're talking about, Ethan, which I expect is going to happen. I think he's just settling down finally, <clears throat> excuse me, and finding a swing. I mean, he was putting up these numbers early in the system, but he wasn't working walks. Already within three walks, four games in the system or into the year is exciting to me. He had nine walks all last year across two levels. Yeah. And if we can wow. continue to see the on-base on base level, our numbers go up this year, then it's exciting to me if he's putting the bat on the ball like he is. Yeah, that's one thing we have to look for from a lot of guys in this system is the is increased ability to draw walks uh, and, and get on base more. That's something we really need. I saw a discussion about it on Twitter today, but uh, that was the one thing for Encarnacion was his, his OBP was not very far off from his average, uh, and, and we need to see more of a gap there. Um, and right now it's like 90 points higher or something. So it, it's, it's a good start. It's a good start. It's, it's nothing to get crazy over, but it's a really exciting first four games for Mancarnacion. Danny, what you got, man? Who's your guy? Oh, I, I, I was going to tell you this. I was going to say that we absolutely do have to table that conversation about walks because seriously, that's, that's a real thing that's happening in the Marlins yeah. system. Like, I don't know if they're going after highly variable prospects, but even at the major league level, no one is walking. Yeah. Like, we are, we actually have an an okay offense right now. If you look at a few different, if you don't just look at win loss or just at average, we're making contact. We're not getting very lucky with the contact. We're actually pretty unlucky, but that seems to almost trickle down across the affiliates. Um, And I'm not sure if it's who they're targeting or whatever the case is, but it's a good conversation to have in mind. And then all I was going to add is that. It's crazy that Hidad Encarnacion, because, you know, I'll be the Cuban and say Hidad, was mm-hmm. born, like, right after the 97 Florida Marlins won the championship. He was oh. born October 22nd, 1997, wow, which crazy. just blows your mind. But, again, just to say, he's young, someone that, like Ian said, we saw him struggle when he got the promotion last year. But if he starts to show that he can take those walks, play discipline, grows a little bit, he's someone that yeah. we could really start not counting as under the radar and actually putting him on the table. Um, as for who I will take, I will actually take someone that everyone has on the table already, but he's just my prospect crush, and it just is what it is. Um, Isan Diaz did a beautiful thing today by gifting yeah. us a home run right before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, because then we could talk a little bit more about the fact that his OBP right now is 421. And again, small sample size, nothing to really look at that's too crazy. Um, But I was going to bring that up anyway because he was able to take walks. And now I'm able to say, and he was able to show that power. So, Ethan, you said that it was, what, a pitch low away, took it opposite field? Yeah, I looked at the the game day because that's the best we can do now. Uh, Right. Uh, but I looked at the game day, the you know the live feed from uh, <clears throat> from the game, and yeah, the pitch was low and away, bottom uh, left third of the you know for him as a lefty, uh, bottom third of the strike zone, took it the opposite way, which is something we're really looking from him for from him. Uh, he he has he had an oppo home run that I saw video of from when he was playing with Puerto Rico uh, in the off season. Uh, and, and I, 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 you know, if he can start driving the ball to the other field and, and working the, working the other way, uh, he'll just start making more contact and that'll 
open up you know more for him uh it's really important to get these guys to to have an approach where they're using the whole field uh because you know that results will come with that better approach and so far for him the results are coming he's been on base a ton uh he had you know two walk night the other night he's I think he's drawn a walk in every game so far maybe not today but obviously today he had the homer so that's fine but uh he's off to a nice start but he's got to make more contact he has not made a ton of contact yet this year uh and and he has to that's the one thing we've needed from him but good good start good start a home run in your first four games and a bunch of walks is always a good start for him. I'm glad you brought up the making contact thing, Ethan, because it was the same thing talking about with Asan over the spring. Yeah. He hit the, the mammoth homer, and I think it was the first or second week of the spring with the beautiful swing, and everybody lost their mind. But he didn't do much else after that. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't get, putting the bat on the ball. He wasn't getting on base at any high, any bit of a clip at all. So the walks to see the beginning of the year is nice to see, but he's got he's to hit the ball. I mean, that's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean. He's got the ability to do it. He's got the approach. And if he's starting to show better <coughs> discipline at the plate, he can start to drive the ball for 25, 30, 30 doubles a year, which he's bound to happen. So so I wonder – and, and oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, continue. Absolutely. I, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but everyone always loves to give comps, and especially for a player mm-hmm. like Isan Diaz, right, because mm-hmm. his swing is so compatible to Robinson Cano or, or, yeah. or it's, a, it's a lefty Dan Ugla, right? What you see in his in his minor league like career stats, and you have to take that with a little bit of grain of salt. He's had injuries, he's had Hammett issues, it, it's gone back and forth. He's a high OBP guy, right? His his approach has been okay, and he draws walks. He's a low average guy, and he's gonna give you some power. Does anyone necessarily overly disagree with that assessment? Or if we don't, what are the comps that we could look at? And I mean, it's okay. We could still say, hey, Cano, if he really matures yeah. into the way he needs to be. But uh, aside from just aesthetics, are there any comps that come to mind? Just like off a, from a sheer numbers standpoint, one guy that sticks out to me is uh, Schwarber. Obviously, they play different positions and have different builds and makeups kind of. But I mean, Schwarber is always that kind of guy Like in his career. I mean, he had that one year where he hit like 200, but uh, where he kind of hits like you can expect him to hit around like 240, 250, right. but OBP is going to be up in the 350. Uh, and that's basically what Isan was last year. And then also, like, Schwarber's going to give you a bunch of power and hit 30 home runs a year. And Schwarber actually today took a pitch. Uh, he, he did what we're looking for from Isan, and he's been using the whole field more. He, took, he had a home run to left field today. And so uh, I think it's kind of the same thing – for Schwarber that we look at with Isan, right? Which is he's going to draw a bunch of walks and we know that, but it's time to work for more power, uh, work for more contact, make more contact and open the field more and, and start driving it to other fields. So uh, different kind of makeups and players in terms of like the way they actually play the game, but from a number standpoint and from an approach standpoint, I think they're like, that's a relatively fair comp for uh, Diaz. Just I can't really think of a second baseman that kind of puts up those kind of numbers, you know. Well, if we're, I'm going to recycle a couple of comparisons I have for you for Hassan. I actually did an article earlier in the offseason in my 463 uh-huh. series, <clears throat> and a couple of comparisons I used for Hassan were Colton Wong and mm-hmm. a little bit older player in Jose Valentin. Um, those are both players who are playing up the middle with a slightly middle-of-the-order middle of uh, batting average with a slightly higher OBP with some surprising power for their body types mm-hmm. that would be my best bet projection it would be somewhere in between colton wong and jose valentine 
But if we're going to go with the, the shoot for the moon route, it's Ian Kinsler for me. Nice. <clears throat> Ian Kinsler's has been a stalwart at second base his whole career. He's been a top 25 player at the position for as long as you can remember. <clears throat> He's a 2020 player, all-star selections, gold gloves. It's the type of career Asama would be proud of if he were to have something like that. So if we're going to shoot for the moon, it's going to be Ian Kinsler for me with Asan. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. When you sent that out, I loved it. I loved that article because you didn't just look at just one comp. You gave us a few and you gave us like different eras is what you really did. And the mm-hmm. Valentin was the one that really stuck with me. And I mean, come on, if you look at his career slash 243, 321, 448, and that's when he took a dip later on in his in his in yeah. his career. And you could see that. I mean, I mean, you you could see something like that from Isan Diaz, although I agree with you. If we get an Ian Kinsler type of career from him then that's just it's over the moon happiness yeah for sure yeah even if you look at asan and bound teams minor league stats asan's slash so far going into this year 254 353 and a 444 with 62 homers and 52 stolen bases jose Valentin, 241 324 348 with 40 homers and 45 stolen bases i was basing it off some stats at that point but just the comparison of that was was surprising to me Yeah, Yeah, we're we're in an age in baseball where uh, the walk is more important than ever. And Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of guys that have, you know, 100 point, more than 100 point differences between uh, uh, their average and their OBP. I mean, I brought it up like his numbers in Jacksonville were somewhere in the 240s and then his OBP was in like the 360s. So we're in a day and age where that OBP and average separation is going to be a lot greater than back in the day. So I mean, if he just continues taking walks and getting on base, like it, 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 it doesn't matter if he's hitting 240 because batting average like has not ruled irrelevant at this day and age, but it's become less important than ever. And if he's putting up 30 dingers a year, you know, it's I mean, that's all you can ask for from a guy like that. It's, you know, at, at second base, that kind of power supply will be will be really, really awesome. Man, Absolutely. If he's staying ugly with better defense, I'm, I don't even know if I think I might cry every game. Yeah, to that. You know, so. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So I'm actually going to want to I want to predict something here. All right. Yeah. So if Baseball America, I know we have our little uh, trivia tool that we're going to do later. That, not for right now. But if Baseball America and all these sites have Isan Diaz projected to be a middle of the order hitter mm-hmm. around 2021, who do they have leading off? Because we're about to talk about him. Playing center field. Mason. off for the Marlins. Mesa. So Mesa is the guy that people probably click on here and want to want to hear about. So let's yeah. let's talk about him a little let's bit. Let's do it. Um, the, the reality, right, is that it is uh, 12 at-bats into the season. Okay. Uh-huh. After multiple, well, one and a half or so years of not facing live pitching. So everything that we say here has to be taken with a significant grain of salt, right? I'll start off with this. We have a significant positive. We have a significant negative so far. The significant positive is that the man has not struck out. he's, He's making his contact weak, strong. We could talk about that now, but he's not striking out. Right, which is good because you want to have at least some contact with the ridiculous elite speed that he has. Right. But then we also look and he has no hits. Whenever he's gone on base, it's been off of an error, which I will add comes from the speed. Right. So there's something that he's doing. Okay, there you go. That's right. From today. 
so so what are you guys seeing what are you guys hoping what 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 are we wanting from mesa with the understanding that obviously we're going to have a bump here since it's been you know a year and change since she actually saw live pitching i mean i'm encouraged the fact that he hasn't struck out but i'm slightly discouraged that he hasn't have a hit his swing to me calls for easy base hits with his speed is he hits he gets is bad on the ball for any capacity he's on base. He doesn't even have to leave the infield. It's the same thing with Mag Sierra last year. <clears throat> his work, his ability to walk, to work the count and get, and get hits is pivotal to his career in my eyes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the power or the swing plane currently to drive the ball for power in this stage of his career. So him sitting on him, sitting back and taking pitches currently right now is, is good for, is good for the start. But I'd love to see him swing. Just swing. I want to see him swing the bat right now. I'd like to take see him take some strikeouts. I want to see him put the bat on the ball. Just to see where he's at with his timing. I mean, granted, his timing's great if about striking out, but I want to see the bat. I want to see the bat on the ball. Right. And you guys saw that, like Ethan said, he got a hit. Did we see if that was a single? Was I mean it just happened right, it was a single because yeah, it, it happened right while we were starting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the thing I want to see with Mesa is I just want to see him, you know, with a good approach. Uh, so that means, you know, taking pitches, like not swinging at anything he shouldn't be. Uh, you know, if he's if he's fouling off pitches and then he's just not finishing at bats, whether it's, uh, you know, drawing walks or, uh, you know, get like getting a hit, uh, that, you know, obviously you want to see that. But uh, if, if he's get you know, if he has a good approach, if he has the right approach and, and, um, and it, eventually, you know, we talk about this with Brinson a lot, right? Uh, you have the right approach, you get the bat on the ball more, eventually the results will come. So uh, if, if he's just working the right approach and his, his plate discipline is good and, and, you know, he, he, he gets the bat on the ball when, when he needs to, uh, it's fine, but obviously it's concerning that he's only got one hit so far because I've, I think we all just kind of expected him to just come in and hit, hit, hit. But we do have to be cautious with him because he hasn't seen live pitching in so long and he hasn't seen MLB quality pitching ever. Uh, so I, I think we got to be cautious with him in the first week. But yeah, if, if he's, if he's, a, if he's taking pitches and working into deep counts and, and has the right approach uh, and he's, he's having good at bats, uh, something like what we've seen from Jorge Alfaro so far at the major league level, where he just is always working good at bats. If that's happening, it, it's fine because the results will come eventually and eventually we'll start seeing him make more contact. Uh, Ian, you're going to see Jupiter soon, right? Uh, you're going to have to re- come back with a good report for us, man. I'll actually be in, seeing Jupiter tomorrow. Tomorrow will be Braxton Garrett's first start in 23 months. So I will make the trip to Kissimmee to see the Jupiter and Fire Frogs game tomorrow afternoon. And take, speaking about Mesa, he's in the, probably his biggest spot of the year right now. With runners on second and third here in the second. But looks like he may have gotten out, though. Yeah. <laughs> Browns yeah, out the second. Devers is on base for a second time, though. And he worked a, he worked a full count and then got hit by pitch. So. Uh, Stole the base as well. That's nice to see for him. If he just manages to get on base and get a couple hits, you know, hits here and there, like, you know, he is what he is. Devers is what he is. He's going to be a light hitting shortstop that's very athletic and very good with the gloves. So, you know, if he can put together some good ABs and get on base more than just his occasional hit, you know, that's that'll be good for me. So he's have he's off to a nice start. Nice start tonight. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and 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 you know the reality is like I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm okay yeah. with Devers becoming that type um, of player until we actually have someone in this system. Either a we get someone in this system like an Abrams through the draft or Wit or mm -hmm. whatever the case is, or b we decide to go with you know Operation Big Fish and go sign a, a shortstop. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with Devers being that guy. Let the yeah. offense come from another yeah. place. Let it come from his double play partner. Let it come from Alfaro. Let it come from other places. Just lock down that shortstop position for me. Yeah. And also, yeah. you know, just a part of me that's like, I want something really good back for Stanton. I, I know that that was the yeah. one financial move, even though I'll add my little fun fact that the Marlins ate more money in that contract than any trade they've ever had before. Um, but I understand that that was the one financial dump. Uh, I still want to, I want to see him. I want to see him yeah. develop into that guy that can make contact, <laughs> use his athleticism, and just lock down that shortstop position defensively. Well, speaking of the Stanton trade, one guy I definitely think we should mention here uh, who had a really nice start is Guzman. Uh, uh, you know, if it weren't for uh, Gallon, uh, he probably would have had the best start of the week, I'd say. Uh, five innings pitched, um, four hits, only one run, seven strikeouts. He did have four walks, which uh, is something that, needs to go down uh from right. him because you're not going to have four walks and one hit you know one run every game um it's good that he was able to limit the damage with you know by striking out seven guys and it's good to see that he's missing bats which for me is the most important thing from a gunslinger like him um but in in the future in future starts i'd like to see him limit the walks but that's a really solid start to start the year i think a lot of these marlin guys the, a lot of these pitchers didn't have flashy starts um except for Gallon and then Yamamoto, who had 9Ks. But I think a lot of these guys had really solid starts to get on, you know, get off on the right foot for the year. And, and, and I think that's something that, you know, that's one of the storylines of this week is solid, but not great all, all around, really. Nothing really fantastic, but a lot of really solid stuff. And Guzman, who came over in, you know, he was one of the bags of baseballs that came over in the Stanton trade, uh, is off to a good start. And and hopefully that continues at the double-A level. Seven strikeouts in your first start at the double-A level is really solid. Yeah, I mean, he, he threw 88 pitches, 53 of them for strikes. And should I mean, he could have picked up the victory in the game. I don't believe he did. No, uh -huh. But <clears throat> he, he, he looked great. I mean, the, the, the four walks is almost to be expected from Guzman. Yeah. But if he's striking out seven and walking four, I'm, I'm taking that to start the year. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't throw many starts in spring training. So he didn't, he wasn't ready for this outing. He looked great. Um, I'm encouraged by that. One, one earned run is exciting to me. Yeah. Um, it, I'm excited yeah, to see what he does going forward. And again, like you said, the one earned run, like just limiting the damage, you know, yeah. if, if he's going to have four walks, but he's only going to allow a few earned runs a night, that's fine. Um, as, as long as he limits the damage and, and one of the things that's going to help him limit the damage is missing bats and getting strikeouts. And he's doing that. Um, and he didn't allow many hits. So that's, you know, that's yeah, good one me. extra base hit. So, yeah. So that always suggests not a lot of hard contact, which is really what you're looking for. You know, right. So. And actually, you hit it right there with the hard contact, because um, with Guzman, right, something yeah. that you'll see is someone will look at that line and will say, well, you know, that's that's a, a walk and hits over one per inning. And that's not really what you want. Right. Someone will say that the same way that a contrarian, although rightfully so, will say the same thing about like Sandy's mm -hmm. um, Sandy's performances or his last performance or even against the Rockies. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just 
to me, it's just nitpicking yeah. to the death to try to get yeah. someone to understand, oh, well, that's reliever risk, right? Like, oh, Sandy's going to go to the pen mm-hmm. or Guzman's going to go to the pen. And what you're not understanding is that, okay, they get in trouble. I get that. They're definitely not refined individuals that throw yeah. 100 miles an hour right where they need to. I understand that. But they produce weak contact. Yeah. With Sandy, like four of the hits that he allowed, three of the four were broken bats, right? Mm-hmm. Like you guys just mentioned here with Guzman, there wasn't extra base hits that were being hit off of him. His stuff plays. You know, yeah. is it very easy to say reliever risk? Absolutely. And he might end up there. He might end up a dominant pen yeah. arm. We and don't that's know. That's not a problem. We talked about exactly. This it's not a problem at all if he ends up in the bullpen because his stuff will play very well out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not worried about Guzman's arm playing no, in the system at all. I mean, where it's going to play is is the only question for me at this yeah. point. It's 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 disgusting. He's throwing 102 when he when he pulls back on it, and he can break you off with a mid 80s slider, which is you're not seeing that unless you're Jordan yeah. Hicks. So, yeah, I mean. He's going to do things in this in the game, and it's just going to be exciting to see what those things are. Yep, absolutely. And like Ethan said, we had kind of a pattern this week. I mean, I feel like it's going to be this pattern every single week where the pitching, we have someone that we could talk about, whether it's very exciting or just good mm-hmm. enough, um, across the affiliates. And again, if you start off, if you start off at the at the very lowest with Chris Valamont, okay. Had a yeah. great first start. Yeah. Five innings pitched, he eight did. Ks, only two walks. Then you go to Will Stewart, and it's like, oh, nothing over the top. No perfect game like Gallon, but no second fiddle either. Went five point five two, four strikeouts. Then he had the four walks, but he limited his damage. We continue to see that. We saw it yeah. with Guzman. Then we saw it with who you already made mention would likely be the uh, Ian's pitcher of the week if it wasn't for Gallon. But Yamamoto, Yams had yeah. a heck of a first outing five yeah. innings pitch yeah. was it nine k's nine only, K's, one, only walk. one walk and two runs yeah yeah you're, yeah you're seeing you're seeing these layers of talent i guess to quote mike hill on on display every single day you're yeah. seeing someone go out there uh, it's it's exciting to see that i mean talking about valimont i mean he was a decent a lower round draft pick last year he's a huge big body pitcher with talent and to come out here in his first start to show that is exciting to see. I mean, he's a player we could see move up to the system decently quick this year. If he shows good numbers, I mean, he's a college draft pick. He's possible, possible. We could see him in Jupiter by the end of 2019. If he continues to put up numbers after, I think it was a, a down year in 2018, if I can recall. Mm-hmm. For and, and, you know, by this, you know, it's only been, four or five games you know the season started on thursday so we you know by next episode we'll have a full week week and a half workload you know for these guys for these hitters which is when you can start making some you know some get some takes off about about what's going on how their start to the season is you know it'll be 11 games or whatever by then but um and then you know pitchers will either have two or three starts depending on you know where they are in the rotation and what team is going with five and which team is going with six so um so it's hard to make too many judgments at this point in the season because it's only been a few games and you know like Mesa doesn't even have you know has one hit so far so it's tough to make judgments so far but like like we you know like I said solid nothing fantastic except for you know Hallen and then Incarnacion who's setting the world on fire uh in, in the first weekend but solid start. I would definitely say it's a very solid start for the Marlins this weekend. 
Absolutely. Yeah, right there with to you. To talk about another guy, since we really haven't talking about him, is Austin Dean this week. Yeah. Um, he's strictly played in right field primarily to start the year, which is quite surprising after seeing no games in right field last year. Um, he's looked great to start the year. He's stolen another base. He's getting on base, I think, at 450 right now. Nice. Uh, he hit his first extra base hit today, I believe. And he's looked great to start the year. I mean, I'm getting. I said it last week. I'm still surprised to see him in AAA this year, but if he continues to play like this, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do with this year because I expect him to see Miami very soon. Yeah, and with O'Brien struggling at the major league level, uh, I I would love to see Dean up soon. If 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 O'Brien doesn't turn it around here within a week or two, and and Dean keeps hitting, you know, I I don't see any reason to keep him down in AAA that long. I thought he was going to be in the MLB to start the year. I think it took a lot of us by surprise that he wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, you'd have to imagine that that's why they're trying to groom him in right field as well. You know, any kind of versatility that you could get in the corner outfield spots, O'Brien might not pick it up, might pick it up. Obviously, they love his power, but we need to make contact to produce that kind of power. So good to see him out there. Good to see that it seems like he's handling himself well. Um and that if things continue the way that the momentum's continuing, I'm, I'm imagining that we're going to see him up there sooner rather than later. Yeah. All right. So then, so then I, I do have a question before maybe possibly move on to, to a different kind of conversation. It's obviously early, right? Like, Ethan, you just said it. All of this, whether positive or negative, comes with a grain of salt. It comes with an mm-hmm. understanding that we can't hold too much weight on any of these takes, right? Mm-hmm. But if there anyone or any prospect that you look at and i have maybe a few in mind where we were looking for something very specific for them to do um or stay away from and it's been a difficulty right so so like the first one that comes up to mind was my guy that i talked about last week right john reynolds right it's tough it's tough when you have 12 at bats and 10 of them are strikeouts you know, yeah. um, that's that's not the way you want to start the year. And obviously, again, we understand that it's a young campaign and that um, it, we can't talk too much and put too much weight on it. But that's tough right now. I will say he also does have six walks. Right. Um, yeah. So his at bats are 12, but that's because the walks don't count as at bats. They count as plate appearances. Um, so he has six walks and 10 strikeouts. A case like that, where obviously I want him to make more contact. We need him to make more contact. Is there anyone else that comes to your mind? Um, or is that the one kind of candidate that we look at? Uh, I mean, I'm a little upset with uh, Connor Scott start to the year. Yeah. He had an extra base hit. I believe it was a triple two days ago. But besides that, he hasn't hit much, hasn't walked much, and hasn't really done anything to show me he's shown any growth from 2018. He's got six strikeouts, he's got one walk, and he's got one hit total, and it's a triple. But it's only four games, it's only 18 at-bats, but I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, the hit tool for for Connor Scott's the biggest thing going forward for him. So, he, you know, we can get, you know what he can do when he gets on base, and we know what he can do in the field, but he has to put the bat on the ball. Like with anybody I've talked about today, bat on the ball. But yeah. – um, Connor Scott's a guy for me who I'd like to see do a little bit more going into the year. I'd like to see Tristan Pompey do a little more. Uh, he set the world on fire last year for us. We were all so excited about him. Uh, had a great 24 games in Greensboro. Had a really nice 24 games in Jupiter. Um, he's taken walks so far, 
he's got in four games, but he struck out seven times. Uh, and he's only got two hits, and they're both singles. Uh, I'd like to see more power from him, and I obviously I'd like to see him get hits because he hit last year. He hit three fourteen in uh in Greensboro, and he hit two ninety one in Jupiter. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to see him get off to a better start. Uh, I kind of expected him. He's not playing uh tonight for Jupiter. Um, he's not in the lineup. I'd like to see him um get get some more hits and start putting up better numbers because I really expected him to kind of come out and have a really good start to the season and get off on the right foot because he had such a good start to his career last year. I think it's fine. He'll be okay um, because he's really solid, really solid prospect. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the numbers get better from him in the next week or two. And, and I have actually two takes on, on Pompey that I kind of want y'all's opinion on. You tell me if I'm wrong on this or if I'm a little off or whatever the case is. So the first one I don't think is very controversial. I think that he is likely the most advanced draftee from last year's class um, at the moment. I'm not saying highest ceiling. I'm saying I think he has the most advanced hit tool and just the most advanced tools right now on the the batting side. Um, So that's that's my take one. And, And that's why I also think he'll have the quickest ETA from mm-hmm. the uh, from the previous draft class. So that's take one. Take two might be a little bit more controversial. I honestly eventually see him being the first baseman of the Marlins. I, yeah. I, I think that they move him over from the outfield. Obviously, that was one of his red flags coming out. Um, I think that he eventually moves to first. Some people love this idea. Some people hate this idea. I wonder, I, I, what do you guys think? I believe it probably offers him the highest ceiling going forward at first base with his makeup. His arm is not very strong in the outfield, and he has no future in center or right. If the Marlins, with the way they're developing outfielders, go the route they're going, his best path to the majors would be at first base. He's, he's a big body. He's a switch hitter. He hits for power. He's athletic. He's everything you'd want in the new age first baseman in the major leagues. I mean, he's, I mean, with the DH likely coming very soon. He's another candidate to play DH on off nights. He's a type of player who'd be great to have on your roster, but first base would be, in my eyes, the best best look for him going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Ian said. And then the other thing is uh, it takes a little pressure off of him defensively, so he can put a little more focus on the offense. And 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 I think that'll be big for him. And then the most important thing that Ian said is it it provides – the quickest path for him to the MLB. And I think we got to start getting our young talent to the MLB. And, and, you know, if it gets in there in a year and a half, rather than two, three years, I think we should do it. And, and I do, because there's not much depth at all at first base uh, in this organization. You know, it's kind of been plug and play uh, uh, in, even at the MLB level. So I think, uh, it, it it easily provides the best path for him to the majors because of how much clutter there is in the outfield. So, yeah, I think he fits perfectly at first base. I totally agree. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. He's uh, somewhat the antithesis of what the Marlins have in their farm system and even at the major league level right now. And what I mean by that is that uh, they seem to target these really high variable but high ceiling prospects who are very athletic, can play all across the diamond, or can play up the middle. Right. And then he's kind of the opposite. Like, I'm not sure that his ceiling is incredibly, incredibly high. I think it's high. I'm just saying I don't think that his ceiling will ever be the ceiling that Brinson once had or Harrison came in or whatever the case may be. But he's limited on the defense with a nice floor. I I think that I think that his floor Mm -hmm. is a solid hitting contributor. 
if you put him at first, it allows you to be able to, like you said, promote him quicker, get him up to Marlins Park, and see that bat play, which absolutely will play. All right, so we're almost getting out of time. So let's just do a few uh, a few quick things here. We, we were able to get some news. It's not really news. It's not like we're breaking anything, but some news across the affiliates. Um, some having to do with Monte Harrison, Sixto Sanchez, another promotion that happened. I'm going to let y'all take your pick on, on what we want to talk about, but obviously very clear, important updates, uh, that we have to get to. So Ian, go ahead and, and take us wherever you'd like. Well, we'll start with lead off of Monte Harrison because we haven't spoken about him today very often. Yep. Uh, Joe Vasaro and Craig Mish came out this week and said he's been dealing with some right wrist soreness, not enough to go on a DL, but today he was seeing live pitching, so likely might be seeing Monte back in the lineup here in the next week or so. Um, going off of that, talking a little bit about Sixto Sanchez, um, about that because he might actually have the ability to see that first start. But Yeah, um, I'm excited to see uh, Sixto. He's coming back. I think they set the date for April 26th, uh, so that's about – what, 18 days away or something, uh, about three weeks. Uh, it'll be a Friday night in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to try and go see it. Uh, I got some other things that weekend going on, but uh, I would love to go see him. I haven't seen him in live action. Uh, I honestly don't know too much about him except for the profile, but I would love to see him and, and really see what we're working with here. Uh, that's exciting. And then, yeah, just been Monte can go line up soon within the next year. Um, because you don't want the injury to keep him out too long and then really kind of derail the beginning of his season. So uh, let's just hope that he uh, – <clears throat> let's just hope that he, you know, gets back here soon uh, within the next few days and gets in the lineup because I want to start seeing some some at-bats for Monte. You know, we had so much that we have to look out for this year with him, whether it's the strikeouts or more power with the new approach. So uh, – I'm hoping for the best for Monte, and I'm hoping that he's not out for too long. And uh, I'm hoping he's he's back here in a few days so that we can start. It's just another name that'll pop up in the box score that'll get me excited, you know, and 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 we need that. So hoping for the best for Monte for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we got to get Monte on the field and just see just see this development happen just as what yeah. it is. And I mean, I'm, I'm just jealous. You get to see six though. I'll also add that Corey bird got uh, promoted to double a very under the radar guy. Outfielder has shown that he can hit a bit. Uh, so, so, you know, congrats to him. That has more to do with the roster construction than anything, but at least he's up there and we'll see what, what can happen. Um, if he, if he shows himself worthy. All right. So our last segment, which is the first time we're going to do it, but we're going to do it weekly is Ian's segment. He's going to choose a top pitcher and a position player for the week. And we're going to see how much, how much hell we give him, I guess, with with either agreeing or not agreeing. But take it away, good sir. What is your top pitching selection? I'm not sure that we're going to get any surprises here, but give it to yeah, us. Yeah, this might be the easiest week for me on this one. I might catch the most, uh, the least amount of flack from you guys, but I'm going to go with Zach Allen. It's quite obvious. Seven innings again, no no hits, no walks, eleven strike or seven strike or excuse me, eleven strikeouts. <sighs> He was yeah, I, I don't think I, mean, I don't think anyone's gonna be too upset there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple under the radar guys that could have slid in there, but um, it's gonna be easily Gallon. And for hitters, Encarnacion. I yep. mean, we've talked about him all episode. He's setting the world on fire right now. After Austin Dean's another one, but Encarnacion are my two. And if you guys don't agree with me this week, we're definitely gonna have some problems going forward. <laughs> 
no, I think this one's really easy to agree with. I think Yams could have been, like you said, a nice little runner up. Um, you know, Gerard Encarnacion is, like you said, lighting the world on fire, and it's nice to see him get to that start. I'm going to give a very selfish plug and say that the guy I told everyone not to give up on, which is Mag Sierra, actually had a really nice week. 16 yeah, at bats, only struck out three times, took his one walk, which is, you know, more than Brinson has right now, <laughs> and has three doubles. So we're seeing something there, right? Yeah. He's finally at the spot he should be at. So just wanted to give him some love. And don't rush him. Please. Yeah. Not rush him, you know? Yeah. Let, let him stay down there. And if he's going to put results together, that'll just increase the confidence and increase his ability to put something together at the major league level. So, you know, don't let, let's not like if he gets off to a really hot start, I hope the Marlins don't bring him right back up. And they kind of let him sit and marinate on a good start for a while, you know? Yeah. Amen to that. It's, All right, fellas. It's the most needed thing for him. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to wrap um, it up. Um, if there's any last words, this is definitely the time to say it. Uh, all I want to say also is that I know we promised our little Baseball America trivia. We're going to get to that next time. I'm going to give you a teaser. We might or may not have a Marlins prospect next week. Uh, we'll keep you updated through Fish Stripes. But as always, I kind of want to let you all have the last word. So is there anything left that you think should be said? Oh. Watch out for James I mean, Nelson. James Nelson. Another <laughs> guy, Peyton Culberson. Remember that name? He's in Clinton right now. He was the eighth-round draft pick last year. He had a pretty fantastic start last night, and um, he was pretty under the radar last year. So that's a name to think about going forward this year is Peyton Culbertson. On on Nelson, he's got two hits tonight and an RBI, and he's hitting three fifty three to start the year. Uh organizational player of the year two years ago kind of a down year last year looking to get back on track good start so far would would, would love to see him continue to hit and uh you know maybe make his way up towards uh jacksonville this year awesome all right guys we will be here whenever we upload it same time same day of the week looking forward to next week appreciate you fellas go, absolutely go fish go, go fish. fish boys appreciate y'all